Welcome to Valley Lights Church Online. My name is Bruce Wood and today is Mother's Day. <laughs> I really love that we take time, actually a day, to recognize mothers. Parenting to me is one of, it's among the most fundamental aspects of God's design and His creation and especially when mothers mother well. Man, it can change the world. So much good could be done. So much impact. So much joy can be experienced. Here's a photo from um, two of the most important mothers that I know. <laughs> Here's a picture of my family and all along with my mom. And this was just on Easter a few weeks ago. My mom came out to visit us from the East Coast. And, you know, I was reflecting that our relationship really has gotten stronger as I've aged, and my mom is a woman of faith. Um, so when she was here, we spent a lot of time talking about God and church and, see, and, and just the ways that we've seen God work through our family history. In fact, you're listening to a sermon or a message in a church setting right now, in part because of my mom. <laughs> she was the one that instilled faith in me when I was a boy, and she brought. She was the one that brought me to church, and uh, I have I have a lot to um, be grateful for. We we're also doing this parent-child dedication in our live service today, and one of the things we talk about is is the need to bring kids up in the instruction and the discipline of the Lord. And when it comes to my mom, boy, did I learn the meaning of the word discipline. <laughs> Some of the greatest good that she ever imparted to me was physical discipline. And that happened when I did wrong. And I am extremely grateful that she had such a good grip on parenting in that way. Also in this photo, once again, you see a picture of my wife, who is the mother of my kids. And you're also, you know, you're listening to a message in a church setting in part because of her too. I probably wouldn't have made it a month <laughs> in this endeavor without her. There, there's just not enough words to fully describe how much of herself she has invested in the spiritual formation of our kids. Here's a photo of my son, my, my, uh, my second child. His name is Dawson. He got baptized a couple weeks ago. And it's so exciting because he truly understands the good news about Jesus and his death and resurrection and the need to make him Lord. And part of that's because Aaron has prayed and had countless conversations and has disciplined and labored for his benefit and his welfare spiritually. And in this baptism photo, you, you can see me, but you don't see her. <laughs> it's, and uh, the sad truth is sometimes I get the spotlight in, in things. And, you know, certainly I've, I've played a role in Dawson's spiritual formation. But, you know, this photo is almost, it's almost like an illustration of the way that my wife invests countless hours without the recognition of, of the impact there. And uh, so it's exciting. It's really exciting that Dawson is around the same age I was when I began to fully grasp my need of a savior for my sin. And uh, so you can see just a quick glimpse into our family line that the role of mothers is invaluable. It's so, so important. And as we turn into the message for this morning, I want to ask you, what do you think our culture's, what is our culture's current feeling about the value of being a mother? Or what, what does our culture think about the value of being a woman, for that matter? There's lots of ideas. There's lots of feelings. 
And sometimes, if we were to just take a turn to pop culture, it can give you an idea of what, what the common stream of thought is. I don't know if you ever heard the song from Beyonce. Uh, she's got a song called Run the World, and the chorus goes like this. Who run the world? Girls. 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 Who run this mother? Girls. <laughs> and, uh, you know, is there any doubt in your mind about how Beyonce feels <laughs> about the role of a woman? But, you know, at the very least, she gives a shout out to her mother at the end of this chorus. Uh, another song by Katy Perry who actually started out as a pastor's kid, walked away from the faith, and she, she says this in one of her songs. I used to bite my tongue and hold my breath, scared to rock the boat and make a mess. So I sat quietly, agreed politely. You held me down, but I got up. I'm already brushing off the dust. And then, of course, that super catchy chorus. I got the eye of the tiger, a fighter, dancing through the fire because I'm a champion and you're going to hear me roar. And so there's... You know, if you turn to pop culture, there's a general feeling of women rising to the top, of becoming a boss babe. <laughs> you know, here's an image of a boss babe. Can't, can't you just feel the struggle going on in our world to establish the value between men and women? For many years, it, it, you know, if you look over the past few years, it just feels like everyone's trying to, to determine who is more valuable which gender has greater worth? And if you do a, a quick scan through history, you would see that the value and worth of women, it's fluctuated a lot. In some cultures and societies, women have ruled as queens. And in others, they've been covered up, suppressed, and just used as objects for pleasure. And then everything in between. It would seem that humanity has had a hard time getting a grip on the value of a woman. And I'm raising this tension today because I want to answer a really big question. What difference does Christianity make in establishing the worth of a woman? We've been answering a similar question every Sunday morning since we started this message series. We started on Easter by asking, what difference has Jesus and Christianity made in our world? Because some people say that religion ruins everything. Is the world really better or worse off because of it? So first, we looked at the resurrection, the power that sparked worldwide change. We looked at that on Easter. The following week, we looked at how God pushes back darkness in entire countries, sometimes through the influence of a godly leader. Then we looked last week at the incredible compassion done in our world by people that are motivated by Jesus. So today, does Christianity do women any favors? Does it suppress them? Does it help them? If you're not really sure, then I'm really glad that you're listening because you might be fascinated by the story that we're going to look at today. We're in Acts, the book of Acts, chapter 16, and we're going to see that the gospel changes the economy of human worth. And what we're doing, we're, we're tracking the expansion of the Christian movement in the first century. We're following Paul, an early church leader, and so we pick up this part of his journey in Acts chapter 16, verse 11, it says, From Troas we put out to sea, and we sailed straight for Samothrace. The next day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is where this story takes place. A Roman colony and a leading city of the district of Macedonia. We stayed in that city for several days. And uh, you can, actually, you can see a quick photo here from 
uh, video that has illustrated the life of Paul. And so this is an actor <laughs> made to be Paul. But you can see a map on that image as well. And there's this red arrow that shows them sailing through the Aegean Sea. And there's that region you can see that's labeled as Greece. Uh, but in the Bible here, they, they call that whole region Macedonia. Now, this verse is actually really exciting because when Paul and his companions, they arrived here in Philippi, the gospel had officially landed in Europe for the first time. The good news about Jesus had not yet traveled this far. And this whole Macedonian region, it was a very influential Greek area. It had big, formidable cities, including this one, Philippi. And so here's, here's what happens when they get there to the city. It says, On the Sabbath day, we went outside the city gate by the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and spoke to the women gathered there. Uh, so here's another image of what this could look like from the video. And apparently there weren't any men or enough of them in order to even build a synagogue. There was probably some Jewish people there, but, you know, Paul would have normally gone to the synagogue to start spreading the good news. But since he found out there was no synagogue, he went by the river because Jews would normally worship by a river on Sabbath because of the ceremonial washings and things that they would do as a part of their worship. So, lacking men to lead and to teach them, the woman took initiative. So, you've got a little gathering of ladies and probably their kids too, because I don't think they had daycare. <laughs> so, someone might say, wow, this is not a very exciting place for, you know, the starting point for the church in Europe. I mean, you're, you're going to tell me the whole gospel spread in Europe is going to start with this little group of women. Well, if you've asked that question, maybe you've never read how Jesus first revealed his identity as Messiah to a woman who's an outcast. Or maybe you've never heard about the modern-day women who have been missionaries across our planet, bringing the gospel for the very first time to brand new regions. This isn't, this isn't out of the ordinary. And we, actually, we shouldn't be surprised because even Paul, he, he taught that there is equality in the sight of God. In Galatians, he, he wrote to a church in Galatia and he said, For there is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male and female, since you are all one in Christ Jesus. There's equality in God's eyes. What, what does it matter if the gospel is first preached to a woman or to a man? And this story, it really is one of the most beautiful stories of women finding liberation in Christ. Because at this time, people treated women really poorly. Women were so dominated by men in this society. In fact, you know, there, women did not even have the right to exchange their religion. If, if someone was interested in following Jesus, they had no right to do that on their own, apart from their, the men in their life saying they're okay. Pharisees wouldn't even preach to women. Pharisees were the Jewish re religious leaders of this time, and they, they prayed this prayer. You, you'll, you'll not believe this. They would pray, God, I thank you that I am not a Gentile, a slave, or a woman. <laughs> that's, oh, that's amazing. How, how would you like to be in a society where men think it's deplorable to have been born a woman? And praise God, it wasn't me. Well, some who've read other parts of the Bible have lumped Paul right in with these guys and accused him of being a male chauvinist. 
You, you only give Paul that label when his real message gets distorted. In reality, he, and Paul does write, the Bible does speak a lot about men and women. There are clear God-given roles for, that are different for men and women. They are supposed to do different things and respond in situations differently. But there is always equality in the sight of God. Actually, the very fact that Paul is so eager to speak with this group of women shows that his approach is different than his cultures. His approach to women was influenced by Jesus, not by the trends of his day. So Paul was teaching this group assembled by the river, and it is incredible to see what God does next. Verse 14, it says, A God-fearing woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, was listening. I love this. The Lord opened her heart to respond to what Paul was saying. And after she and her whole household was baptized, and she urged us, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Here's another photo of what this could have looked like. But before this encounter, Lydia, she already had a growing interest in God. She didn't have all the details about Jesus yet. The news had not traveled this far, but in her heart, she was already seeking to know God. So she was God-fearing. And so God was very kindly moving the events of her life to be positioned for this very encounter. As a matter of fact, God redirected Paul and his entire team so that they would arrive at this city at this moment. Because if you read earlier in this chapter about the story in the book of Acts, every time that Paul tries to travel in a different direction, God keeps closing the doors. And coming to Philippi was not Paul's original intention. This, but this was the only path that God allowed them to take. And so it's clear, God wanted to reach Lydia's heart. So he closed out the whole area of Asia in order to redirect Paul to this little spot by the river on a random Sunday morning or a Sabbath morning. And I love that verse. It says, the Lord opened her heart to respond to what Paul was saying. That really is one of my favorite verses because God is the one who reaches our hearts and brings us to salvation. Maybe this is similar to your story. Maybe you know, man, there's got to be a God out there. And, and, and maybe you think, I, I respect God, but I don't feel like I've got all the details yet. It might be that God is moving things around in your life so that you're positioned to learn more about him right now. I don't know if you've ever thought like, man, these things that have, that have happened to me, I just know that it can't be a coincidence. There's got to be some involvement from God. And if God is working on your heart, opening it up, don't shrug that off. Don't close your heart back up. Let God bring new life to you. And in Lydia's story, we see that her whole household put their faith in Jesus. What a glorious beginning. She and her household was the beginning of the church in that city. The little prayer gathering by the river turned into the church at Philippi. Her house became the place where they would meet. And later on, the church grew and men were reached by the gospel. They got involved in the work. And this whole thing became an immense source of joy for Paul. And you can read about it. He later writes back to this church, and it's called the book of Philippians, or the letter to the Philippians. And you know what's interesting about Lydia? It says she was a dealer in purple cloth. That was 
usually a, an expensive and desirable product. So Lydia was probably, in, she was an enterprising businesswoman. She may have been really successful at her work dealing purple cloth. It seems like she might have been an influential woman in a prominent city. If that's true, she was a first century boss babe. <laughs> Do you think, you know, that she may have originally gathered her sense of self-worth as a woman from her work? Well, I think that's possible, especially in a male-dominant society. If so, all of that changed when she met Jesus. Suddenly, her primary identity and worth came from being a daughter of God. She experienced respect from Paul, who was taking his cues from Jesus. And this was very different than typical Jewish men at that time. And what's happening in our society today is this constant exchange of men versus women and who deserves to be at the top. And when Christianity comes along, we don't raise one gender over another. It's not that men need to be liberated from women or women need to be liberated from men. It's that we all need spiritual liberation. We need to be freed from our sin and freed from the belief that what we do gives us worth. Men and women already have equal value in God's eyes. And we can find freedom when we realize we've got full acceptance to be what God designed us to be, male or female. Christ followers view all people as valuable because they're made in God's image. Even back to the beginning of creation, in Genesis 1.27, it says, God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. Just two genders, separate and distinct, with no crossover, no changing. That's how God designed it. And there's tremendous freedom in that as well. So as, as we move on, actually, I want to show you a video that highlights a spiritual journey of one of the women in our church. And her story actually reminds me a lot of Lydia. But here's, here's the setup. Uh, her name is Zaray, and she, we originally met her at OCC, which is the church that I used to be at in Riverside. And that's where I got all my training as a pastor. We met her there, and uh, this was before we even moved two hours away to Santa Clarita to start this church. And so there at OCC, uh, Josh is the name of the pastor. And uh, one day Zaray had asked, how do I find a really good church like this where I live? And, and Josh had told her, we're actually starting one in Santa Clarita. Nobody knows about it yet, but it's on, it's on the horizon. And so I just want you to hear this spiritual journey from her perspective. Take a listen to this. My visit to OCC wasn't intentional. Uh, I did it as um, an opportunity to get um, my significant other and his dad to hang out. But I remember how I felt leaving and having this distinct idea that that message wasn't for my boyfriend, it wasn't for his dad, that message was for me. I was the one that was supposed to be there. And that thought is when you know, I just felt like God is talking to me. He wants me to come back. I went to service one day and I don't know what came over me, but I see Josh and I like tell my boyfriend, like, give me a sec, I need to go talk to Josh. And, you know, I asked the source himself, where can I find, where can I find 
a church that's like this. <laughs> um, and he asked me where, like Santa Clarita, you know, Six Flags. He's like, oh, we're starting a church there. And, and I, I had this very like, just very weird, like what? Like, I, I didn't say it like that to him, but you know, my brain pretty much exploded. I was that emoji, like what? <laughs> um, I was that emoji of just, I could not, I couldn't believe that's true. You know, I walked away from that conversation terrified. <laughs> It's a little, it's, it's a little scary when you see that God is just like, hey, I'm going to make it happen. Had it not been for OCC, who was there and created such a welcoming environment for me and a safe space for me to like figure out where I am in my spiritual journey, had they not done that? I don't know where I'd be right now as far as my walk with God. I was able to open up to um, the launch team and, um, and able to share the troubles that I go through day to day and, you know, I created great friendships with Jackie. One of the biggest things that I was wrestling with is how to be a boss babe, you know, uh, live this feminist life and uh, how to do that well with God first. And I just couldn't, I couldn't balance the scales. Um, so seeing Jackie and just seeing how motivated she is and how driven she is um, and how kind she is and patient and just seeing her live her life and how she would tackle challenges and problems. And also seeing that she's not perfect and that she makes mistakes. Um, that really resonated with me that this is possible. I knew from the very beginning, sitting down with Aaron and meeting Jackie for the first time in the, that Panera, where Aaron was giving me like an introduction to the heart attitudes and just overall what you guys are about. And she did the pie chart. And it was, you know, at the end it's like, he doesn't want a piece, he wants the whole pie. And in my brain, as soon as he said that, I could have I, I could have listed all the things that I knew, like met giving those things up, or you know surrendering them, relationships, friendships, and financial matters. And those things were huge. I feel like they were a huge part of my identity, and um, I felt that if I gave them up, I would be changing who I am. And I wasn't sure if necessarily at that time I thought it would be for the better or not. Yes, I, I have recently given the whole pie. It's so difficult for me to articulate what it is that I'm feeling now versus how I felt it's a peace, like an inner peace, coming from a person who's anxious all the time, like all the time about anything. Um, it, it, knowing that I'll be okay and that uh, God is gonna figure things out because he has a plan for me. Like he's in control, I'm not in control. I, I have faith that, you know, he is real and he's in charge of everything.
Praise God that Zeray has been made new in Jesus Christ. I love this story. There's a bunch of stories like this in our church. But can you believe that God sent a church to Santa Clarita in order to reach Zeray's seeking heart? And not just hers, but many of you as well. Many who are a part of our church have been reached because God moved a church here. Isn't it incredible that God would care so much for each of us to do things like that? Also in this story, you probably noticed that Zeray's identity has changed. She is beginning to understand more about her inherent worth in Christ, not in what she does for a living. So what kind of impact does Christianity have in our world? Is Christianity chauvinistic and suppressive of women? Check out this research from the author John Dickerson. In our world today, here's what he found out after his research. In the 10 best nations for women's rights, 75% of the population is Christian. The majority of the population is Christian. And so that's in countries with, with good women's rights, like um, on issues like equal pay or the right to vote, um, not being sold into marriage, basic access to education and protection from physical harm. And here's the opposite. In the 10 worst nations for women's rights, only 8% of the population is Christian. It's barely there. In most of those, those nations, Christianity has been outlawed. In some of those countries, women, women are denied basic rights. Maybe they can't, they're not even allowed to drive a car. Many times they're sold into marriage or much, much worse. They might receive horrific mutilations or punishments just at a whim treated as objects. And no matter how much you respect other world cultures, you probably don't want your wife or your daughter living in one of those nations or societies. There is an astonishing connection between basic human rights and places where you can find, find large numbers of followers of Jesus. That's a matter of statistics, not of opinion. And if you want to learn more about those facts, you can check out this author's work and his research in the book, The Jesus Skeptic. That's um, John Dickerson. After Lydia's story in the book of Acts, the next encounter in Philippi highlights once again the difference that the Christian movement has made in society. We find, real briefly, we'll look at how Christ's followers are called to raise the value of all people even at a cost. Paul and his companions come across a slave girl, and she was a young girl who had a spirit, an evil spirit, guiding her. And in verse 16 it says, Once, as we were on our way to prayer, a slave girl met us who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She made a large profit for her owners by fortune-telling. And you can see in this story that children were viewed as objects for profit. And in this case, the girl, this girl could give insight that brought her owner's financial gain from the evil spirit inside of her. And sadly, we know that still today, children can be targets for predators who objectify them for trafficking, for porn, or child labor. So Paul notices this girl, and he sees the bad situation she's in, but he sees the deeper need. When other people objectified her, he saw a real person who has value, and he commands the evil spirit to get out of her. And instantly, the girl's free. There's this big spiritual power encounter. 
But then all of a sudden the slave owners realize that their potential for using the girl to make money is gone. So they drag Paul and Silas to the authorities. Here's what it says in verse 22. The crowd joined in the attack against them, and the chief magistrates stripped off their clothes and ordered them to be beaten with rods. After they severely flogged them, they threw them in jail, ordering the jailer to guard them carefully. Receiving such an order, he put them in the inner prison and secured their feet in stocks. So, Paul and Silas receive a, they, they pay a real price for their ministry and their compassion towards this slave girl. And then, the story doesn't end there. I'm not going to read the rest, but I check out Acts chapter 16. There's a lot of really, really exciting things that happen next. And a lot of good eventually does come out of the sacrifice. I wanted to highlight the fact that Christians have a long history of running towards the danger out of compassion. It's just like in this situation. Christ's followers raise the value of all people, men and women and children, those who are aged or impaired. It doesn't matter. Every person has inherent worth. We all have inherent worth as people because God created us. This brings such a vastly different and refreshing perspective to our world. Because of the inherent value, Christians are called to proclaim the gospel to all people, saying that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and he offers forgiveness to everyone. Paul set the example of doing that when he helped Lydia choose to make Jesus the Lord of her life. Here's some photos from the two baptisms that we've had at our church so far. Um, the first, uh, in, last year we had um, a woman named Anna and a girl named June who they had committed their lives to Christ and got baptized. And then just recently, Zaray, Aliasha, Samantha, and Dawson. You can see in this photo as well. And these people have been helped by Valley Lights to find spiritual liberation. It doesn't matter their age or their gender. God is the one who draws hearts and he opens hearts to respond. It's our job to faithfully share the good news and keep laboring to help all people find spiritual liberation. There may be a few ways that you might like to respond. I'd, one, one of them might be to team with us. Maybe you want to be a part of making a difference. You could decide to root yourself here at Valley Lights Church because God's on the move. He's working. He's drawing hearts, and you can be a part of it. You can be part of this community that we have where we're building relationships that honor God. You can be part of life groups where friendships can go deeper. Um, or you just might make a Sunday morning commitment that I'm going to, on Sundays, I'm going to carve out the time. I'll be there. Um, you could just put a mental stake in the ground that that's going to be a commitment. And if you want to learn more about how to join Valley Lights Church as a member, you can write that on, um, by sending us an email or in the chat. Another way you might respond is if you think God might be working and drawing your heart, respond to him. Let us know if you want information about following Jesus for the very first time. And then maybe this series that we've been looking at has been helpful for boosting your confidence. Maybe there's been times when you've really had doubt about how good is God? How good is Christianity? How good is these things that we believe? Um, and maybe, maybe there's a need to confess doubt to God or to ask for help. Lord, would you show me more about how to navigate these societal tensions? You can declare your faith in him during your daily time with him. 
come back and learn more about the difference that Christianity makes in tearing down racial barriers. Racism has uh, been a pretty hot topic in our world of, as of lately, and you'll be amazed to hear how Jesus directs us to respond to race issues in our world. But let's pray today. Father, we thank you so much for your incredibly deep love, the way that you can, you can even move huge events in our life to connect us to you, to bring us to be a part of others who are following Christ. And thank you for giving us all, each of us, inherent worth. Every person listening right now has a rich, inherent worth in your eyes because we're made to be like you. We're made in your image. Help us to continually look with compassion towards others, regardless of the situation. And would you use us to bring new life and hope to people that are searching for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. I hope it was helpful. And come back next week. 